Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast and I am back with one of my infamous interviews today. Today I am talking to Jermaine Hall who I have a very interesting story um, of how we met but we will get to that later. I want to spend some time telling you about who Jermaine Hall is. Jermaine was born in St. Lucia and raised in Queens, New York. Um, He soared to the heights of track and field as a nationally ranked college athlete. Um, The discipline and perseverance that led him to compete at the highest level of sports have defined his winning career. Following graduate school, Jermaine began his digitally native career at the infancy of the consumer web. An internship at Vibe magazine earned him a position in its media ventures department where he served as Vibe.com's online editor-in-chief. It was here that Jermaine's passion for music and entertainment intersected with his journalism degrees, evolved the website from an online hub of repurposed magazine content to become the online authority for hip-hop music, culture, and breaking news. The website's growth under Hall's leadership helped commercialize the fledgling department, resulting in its first ever profitable year. Now we're going to get into uh, where he worked. Jermaine went on to hold senior positions at award-winning media titles, including The Source, XXL, and King, which remains one of my favorites, um, where at each he was instrumental in in record-breaking results across circulation, website visitors, and overall organizational growth. Jermaine used these roles to build his expansive celebrity network, collaborating on content packages with icons like Puff Daddy, Leonardo DiCaprio, George Lucas, Kris Jenner, where, and I think this is pretty cool, at King, he gave Kim Kardashian her first ever magazine cover. I didn't know that. Um, He has been a contributor on CNN, Entertainment Tonight, USA Today, and the New York Times. So today, Jermaine is the vice president and managing editor of BET Digital, um, where he counts his biggest success as the turnaround of digital content operations that he was hired for. So... Jermaine has spent his career forming the vision, crafting the voice, and producing groundbreaking and viral content for the most powerful publishers at the intersection of urban and celebrity culture and breaking news. Jermaine. That's a whole lot. I know. This is every time I read people's bios back to them, they're just like, wait, who is this? So, I was reading, I was, that's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that anybody ever feels like they're that person. So I had no idea that you ran track. I ran track from the ages of eight to 18. Um, and I attribute a lot of my success to that time in my life. What specifically about track and field or even just being an athlete do you believe has contributed to your professional success today? Um, discipline. I think track for you to be um, a really good track athlete, you have to be disciplined because um there's going to be people out there who are willing to out, outwork you because mm-hmm. uh, we all come in, we all come in at, at a certain level, at least the people who are going to go on to, to compete in college. Um, and the difference between that talent that you've been given by God and being one of the best runners in the country, it's, it's really, it's the work, it's the discipline. It's like making sure you do your running, your morning runs, making sure you do your afternoon runs, making sure when you have, those structured practices that you're, you're focused, making sure that you're eating correctly. Um, 
So, I, you know, I've taken that, I've taken that discipline. I've, I've pretty much applied it at everywhere that I've been. Mm-hmm. So you, you're a pretty disciplined person. Like, are you really strict with yourself? I am. I think I'm, I think I'm also very, very hard on myself, which also comes from, um, also comes from, um, from, from track and field, uh, mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a, it's very much a team, a team sport, um, at the core of it. And, it is. you know, I remember there was this one moment I, 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 I can never forget it. It was a distance medley relay. And I think I was running, I think I was running the 200 meter leg. Okay. Um, and I bombed like horrible. I was just coming off, coming off of an injury. Wasn't really in the greatest of shape. And okay. I remember walking, <clears throat> I remember getting off the track, walking into the middle um, of the field and just like, just crying uncon- uncontrollably. Really? Um, because yeah, I mean, because I had, I had let my team down, you know, mm. if you're running an individual race, uh, an ind- individual race and you suck, that's on you, you know, you right. Lose. But when it's a, when it's a team race and you bomb out, you know, there's, there's three other people as well as an entire team that, um, that you've let down. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, that, that point always, that, that, that particular point in my life always sticks, sticks with me because I don't ever want to feel like that again. Mm, wow. That, do you feel like you weren't prepared? You said you were coming off an injury. Like, are you just being hard on yourself or do you feel like there's more that you could have done? Um, I think I gave up. Okay. I think I gave up. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was coming off an injury, but I had done enough of the work prior to that injury, um, mm. where, you know, I was, I was still in, I was still in pretty good shape, uh, but mentally, I just yep. wasn't, I just wasn't ready mentally. Yeah. That's such a, I, I ran track from ages eight to 18 and we were undefeated in our, in the four by 400 uh, relay. And I hated the 400. Um, and to this day, we still have a record. I think we ran a three, I could be wrong. It's been so long. I think we were 14, 15 years old and we ran a three minute, 45 second mile. Um, and, and I, I feel like Track seems like an individual sport, but it's very much a team sport. And I feel like I always am better when I'm having to play for the team versus when I'm having to play for, like, do it for myself. Um, and I think that I'm a very disciplined person. And I and I never really realized, like, you know, the, the practice all the time. And I feel like discipline for me, and I'll ask you this question, dis- discipline for me is doing the things that I absolutely do not want to do. I think people think I like working out. I don't. Um, what are some ways that you exercise discipline, Jermaine? Like, what's your thing? Or what are the things that you're doing that you absolutely just don't like? Um, it's funny that you say that, because I think people, people think that I really love <laughs> every single minute of the day. Okay. <clears throat> okay. And don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I love to read. I love to keep up on, on, on what's going on. I love to see what the competitors are doing. Um, and, you know, that's all, that's all part of the gig. But the amount of content that you now have, ha- have to keep up with has yes. tripled and quadrupled. And yep. 
you know, it starts to, you know, I'm, you know, I got to be honest, it starts to feel like like homework some some of the time. Yep. Um, Versus just all, having grabbing your favorite mags and posting up for the weekend. Right. right. It's it's you know, like I like to me to me that that was enjoyable, like coming coming out of the house, going to the newsstand, getting the latest GQ, reading through it. Sort of figuring out, like, okay, this, this, I see what they did here. I see what they did here. How can I, how can I, how can I apply that to my everyday um, content world? Coming up with, with, with content um, for different mediums, but it's like, you know, it's like now we're going. You know, I'm reading. You're reading mags. You're reading countless sites. Um, you're listening to countless podcasts. It is just an influx of a ton of information that you have to take in, um, which which really you know takes up takes up your your entire day. Absolutely, and there's there's still work to be done. But I want to I want to transition because I feel like we could talk about this forever. So you and I caught up last weekend for several hours, um, and it it feels like forever ago that I was just calling up to your office offering your advice that you didn't really ask for. Um, I mentioned you in my interview with Daytuan, and I told him that I used to call up to King when you guys worked together, and that you would take my calls with my suggestions for the magazine. And I have to tell you that no one would listen to me or even give me an opportunity to share my ideas the way that you did. So my very simple question to you is why did you do that? Oh, very simple. Very simple. I like, I always believe, I think, you know, in a, um, in a structured editorial world, sometimes people tend to tend to operate within a bubble. Um, and you're only listening to people for the most part that work at your gig but I think where I think where the jewels are, the jewels really come from. They can come from the outside, you know. They can come. They can come from someone who's in who's an intern, who's not so much you know involved in in, in their system every single day. Uh, but they have they have their opinions and and they have I- ideas. So I like to I value those opinions just as much as I value. The opinions of people who are working there from from day to day because it gives me an outside perspective that I'm I just might not be really thinking of. Right. Um, Daytuan told us this really interesting story about how he got his internship at Vibe. How did you go about getting an internship at Vibe? Oh man. <laughs> a lot of people who listen, they're they're wanting to know how to get internships. And I know that things have changed a ton, but I'd love to hear about how you got the internship and maybe some advice on getting an in- internship today. I mean, so what so what I did is, you know, I went I went the traditional route at at first, which is, you know, I I just I sent my resume along uh, okay. to the person who was um I think she was a editorial assistant. At the time, um, they called me in, and I remember wearing this like this green suit, like <laughs> super like corporate and buttoned up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, when I, and when I got there, I was like, "Yo, there is nobody here that is remotely dressed up. What <laughs> am I doing?" <laughs> but it's, I feel like that's who you are. I feel like you, you button up. I, 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 yes. And like <laughs> inherently that is absolutely who I am. Mm-hmm. I just didn't need to be that in that moment. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so, you know, go through the interview. Uh, I'm, I think I, I spoke to, I spoke to Carter Harris after the editorial assistant. I think Carter was, um, Carter might've been executive editor at the time. So he was, he was, he was high up there. Um, okay. and then I think I also met Karen Good briefly who, who I idolized because her, her writing was just so powerful to me. Okay. Um, I get, I get the call back and they're like, Hey, you know, you're going to be one of the interns for the fall semester. Congrats. I was like, awesome. Cool. This is, this is great. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I had to, that, that was also my first year of grad school. So I needed to find, find a balance to try to try and make that work. Cause what I found was I would go to vibe <clears throat> and I just, I, I wouldn't want to leave. I would, mm. I would be there forever, just transcribing, um, putting together news packets that I could hand around to all, to all of the editors. Uh, you know, I remember this, there was a, there was an Aaliyah story that they had me transcribe. And like, to me, that was like utopia. I was like, man, this is crazy. Like I'm actually <laughs> hearing an interview from Aaliyah that was done by a vibe writer. That's insane to me. Right. So, you know, I soaked up as much knowledge as I, as I could. I would walk around, ask, ask questions all the time. I'm sure they were like tired of me. Like, why does this dude like come in every single time and have a million questions? Right. <laughs> I'm sure that, that, that was a pain, but I was just trying to soak up as much as possible. Okay. And then, um, and then my internship came to an end and the rule at Vibe was, the hard rule, rule was you could only intern for one semester, um, yep. no matter what. So I was like, you know what? I enjoy this this place way too much for it to be one semester. So I started. I, I was like, what's 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 a loophole? Where like how can I get a, how can I get around it? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I went down. I went down to the digital department, and Black Spot was was running running it at the time. Larry Hester. Larry was um, probably most well known for writing writing the um, the big and puff cover story with the um, East Coast versus West Coast cover line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Black was like, "Yeah, it was good." And I was like, "Hey, man, like my internship is over. You know, I only have my like my semesters done. You can only do one semester. Is there any way I could like sneak in and?" <laughs> intern for you because technically that's not really interning for the magazine you know it's interning for for dot com (laughs) i think and i think in his mind he was just like oh this kid's trying to hustle yes (laughs) yeah yeah technically (laughs) um you know i think he found it funny and he was like yeah you know let's let's do it so um, I was able to get that second semester at Vibe, and that was that was so pivotal to my career. Really? Um, oh my God! Like so, so pivotal uh, because during that time, Big had passed, and we needed we needed to get information out there. Mm-hmm. as soon as possible right and you can't wait for this a news cycle right 
like a, a, a big glossy because it takes like three months before a mag comes out typically, right? That's what I remember from my PR days. It probably has changed, but it takes a long yeah. time for a magazine to hit the stands. Yeah, I mean, I mean, traditionally we were always like three months, three mm-hmm. months ahead as far as the um, production cycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Black calls everybody in <clears throat> um, the day after, the day after Big's passing. Well, I, I, actually the same day because um, I believe he, he died like late that night. Because I remember, I remember Angie Martinez jumping on Hot 97, crying, being, you know, she was in tears, making that, uh, that announcement. You know, so black so black spot calls and all hands on on deck. It's like it's myself, Daytuan, um, because Dave Dave was interning at the at the same time. And we all put together, you know, our little pieces, our remembrances on on big. So we all approached it at a different angle. Okay. And you know, that was that was really like my first substantial piece of writing. Um, okay. And it was for the for the dot com. You know, like I, I I go I every now and then I go back and I read that pe- that piece and I and I cringe um, because it's it's the writing is so bad <laughs> but uh, but, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the yes. idea and the intent is there yes the is bad <laughs> I feel like that when I go back and listen to things that I've recorded or interviews like I recently we was, was on the cover of a magazine and they used an interview from like four years ago. And I was like, Ooh, I'm not the same person. This is, this is upscale. upscale. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. said that if there's a quote that I was reading that said, like, if the, like, if, if you're, if who you were, say three, four or five years ago, doesn't embarrass you, like you're not, you're not trying hard enough or something like that. And some people are like, I don't, I shouldn't be embarrassed, but like, sometimes it's kind of embarrassing. Not that you shouldn't be further along because you have to grow, but going back is like, yikes. So you can still yeah. find that. You can still read. Do so you go back and sort of like read what you wrote and you're like, eee. Yeah, like I, you know, I I printed it out. I actually have I have several copies <laughs> at the house stored away. Um Okay. So, you know, if it ever gets lost, like I I, I have plenty of copies to to go check <laughs> it out because, you know, cuz for for me, you know, it, even though like I said, even though the the reading bad, I do I do get I still get a kick out of it. Um, right. And, and, and the fact that it's it's tied to Big, who is um, my favorite MC of all time. OK. Um, you know, it, I, I see it as, as, as valuable. Got it. So if you could like one thing, um, because now you are in VP mode and I don't know if you do any choosing of interns, but a lot of people are looking for internships in the space that you're in now. And so things have changed. What's one thing you think younger people can do or, you know, anyone even just not even younger looking to change their career can do to to earn an internship and get in the doors? Man, that's a that's a great question, because um, the, like the, the, the process now is a little it's a little bit more corporatized because of yes. Viacom and, you know, Viacom just has, you know, certain rules for internships. Like it needs to internships. It needs to come from them or at least they put the people in front of you and then and then okay uh, different brands sort of select who they who they want from that from that gotcha um but once but once those interns get in the door okay that's a good 
I, I think, um, not to cut you off, I think what, what they don't realize is that even though they're just on the intern level, like I'm always looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm right. always looking at like how you move, what you do, what are the conversations you're having with my direct reports? What are the conversations that you're having with my direct reports, direct reports? <laughs> wow. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention. And uh, the most disappointing thing <clears throat> for me when someone interns at BET mm-hmm. is them not making um, an effort. And, you know, maybe, maybe they're scared. Maybe they think that, you know, this meeting just isn't possible. But if you, if you leave that internship with, without having a conversation and a sit down meeting with me, Mm-hmm. I feel like you've done yourself a disservice. Okay, because I'm like, because I'm, I'm, I'm completely open to any level. Okay, um, you know, which which sort of goes back to, you know, you and I talking about you calling and me taking your your suggestions at, at King. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm open to to any level because I I I feel like I'm I'm really good at spotting talent. Okay. And it's in its raw in its rawest form. And it's yeah, so I I really love when interns take the initiative and be like, hey, um, my internship's about to end, but I'm gonna make sure that we had a conversation before before I left. Thank you for that, because I was going to ask, how do you recommend they go about it? Because a lot of times people are sort of afraid. You see the VP. And now I look back, I had an internship um, in in New York at Unilever, working on the Calvin Klein Classic Brand Fragrances team. And I never really saw the boss that was the VP. And I was so afraid to like approach her that I ended up leaving the internship, never asking to have a sit down. So um I'm glad that you gave that because that was, you know, a tip that I just didn't know and probably figured she seemed so disinterested in me the very first time we met that I was just like, yeah, I didn't have the guts to to go back and do it again. Right. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the guts. I'm better. I'm much better now, but I didn't have the guts then. Um, And I think not having the guts was just not having the confidence. Like I didn't, I didn't really believe that I belong there. Um, and I've told the story because I kind of cheated my way into the internship a little bit. There were some requirements that you needed to have that I didn't have that I made happen. (laughs) So I was kind of there, like (laughs) not trying to get figured out. So it's like, don't rock the boat girl. Um, but I always say that confidence usually comes from like having a, from actually knowing. And because I don't think I really knew what the heck I was doing, I didn't have the confidence, but that's me spilling the tea. What's what's funny about that is when I like when I see you, I see a person who is so uber confident that they <laughs> would never be not afraid to approach anyone. Like I see you approaching like the president of the company. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I got I worked my way up to that point. You know, I think I finally had to to realize, and and my friend Lovey says this is like. Once you're in the room, you have to understand that you now deserve to be there. You know, a lot of times we're in these rooms and it's like, well, like, do y'all know that I don't really know or whatever? And so it's just, I've had to say, once th- once you're there, you now deserve to be there. So it's time to get busy. And, and I realized that like the competition is thick and the people who get ahead are the people who aren't afraid to speak up. 
And so that takes me to my next conversation. We were having this conversation about, it seems like people aren't really making professional names for themselves anymore. Like you were saying Carter Harris and Karen Good, and there's these big, there's these names. And I remember looking up to those names. Um, People were charting paths. Why do you think people don't seem to be um, as interested in sort of this long game? Because a lot of, I feel like every year I set an intention and my intention for like sharing for 2019 is this marathon mindset. Um, we It doesn't seem like that ha- that's happening anymore. So h- what advice would you give to someone who is maybe starting out and about how to potentially go about making a name for themselves? It's all about it's all about um, changing, changing with technology, changing with what's going on. It's it's you know I saw a lot of people, very prominent people, in 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 the print world, <clears throat> excuse me, really push back on what was happening with with dot com. Um, but you can't you know you can't you can't fight tech technology. You just gotta kind of roll with it, redefine yourself understand mm-hmm. the medium and learn how to tell stories, uh, which is pretty much what, what, you know, these people have been doing, but just learning to tell stories for like, for, for a different medium. Uh, and then I've also, I think what I've, what I've also noticed is that um, a lot of those print, print magazine editors and, um, and and writers have really found a space in Hollywood. Um, so you know, not that not that not that they're not up on dot com or know how to operate within the parameters of what's going on there. Um, but I think the aspirations were just were just different. They wanted to tell. They, they wanted to take their story storytelling ability and really apply that um, in the Hollywood space. Because yeah, if you look at what what Mimi is doing mm-hmm. um, with Pharrell, like you know, she's telling amazing stories. What she did with Roxanne on Netflix is is fantastic. Uh, yes. And if you look at if you look at Cheo, <clears throat> um, who's pretty much been at a very high level in Hollywood for a long time now, um, and then what what he's done with with Luke Cage. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great story. So, you know, some, you know, some people have been able to adapt to .com. Some people moved into other mediums. And then I think the people who just, um, who have fought it or didn't take the time to really learn um, these, these different mediums sort of fell, fell by the side. Yeah. So for young people who I feel like things are changing so quickly for them, you know, it's like one minute they're because one minute they're an influencer on Facebook, and the next minute they need to be one on Instagram. The next minute they need to be one on Snapchat. The next minute they need to make video. I mean, based on what you know from having this sort of like long career, is there some sort of like common denominator or this constant that people should keep in mind as the mediums change? At the <clears throat> at the core of it, mm-hmm. it's enter it's. Be entertaining. Um, Ooh, that's at the that's at the very core of it. Okay. Um, if you're if you're enter if you're a true entertainer, um, and you can hold people's um attention mm-hmm. for you know long periods of time, like no no matter no matter what the medium is, like you're going 
you're going to win. Like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give this, uh, this example. Um, there was this influencer that, that we worked with, um, recently, uh, to, to create a, to create a show. Um, and you know, it was, a it was, a kind of like comedy news show. And the idea was to have her take the characters that she's developed, um, on Instagram and then apply them to this, to this video, um, franchise. Okay. She, you know, she, she, she really fought, she really fought with us. Like, Hey, you know, understand the concept. Uh, that's not really what I want to do. I'd rather do B instead of A. And, you know, we were like, okay, cool. I'm like, trust, like, trust us that we, we understand that what you're doing right now is entertaining. And if you do A, you will be exponentially more successful with, with this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she didn't listen. And then she chose to do, she chose to do B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was a complete it was a complete bust. Wow. Um, she did do A for the first episode, which was successful numbers wise, but but still still wanted to do what she thought was the better the better option. Mm-hmm. Um and the series bombed um from that point from that point on. You think it's difficult for people to to listen and take suggestions when you know, they feel like what they're doing is working. I feel like social media is kind of like in, does that. So my experience, you're saying be entertaining. And I, my thing is like, be interesting. You know, a lot of people just, they aren't that interesting. And in photos, you don't really have to be interesting. But then once you start getting into video, which you sort of, you've got to open up your mouth at some point. Um, yeah. But I feel like we've tried to lift people off Instagram and I have found that like people can really craft their own story, but then when you get them into your world or just the real world, they can't do any of the stuff they're able to do. So you can take 10,000 selfies to get the most beautiful picture. But when, you know, you've got, you've flown in a photographer and you only got so much studio time, well, we can't take 10,000 pictures. Right. And yeah. so. <laughs> I, like, I think it's, it's, it's a lot easier. It's easier to be funny, entertaining, charismatic in 60 seconds. Ooh. But but what happens when you get you get picked to do something that's 10 to 15 minutes long and um and there's not just your camera there, but there's like five cameras with like bright lights and yeah. there's a ton of people walking around walking around like it's not yeah. just you in your room it's, it's, it's a really different situation mm-hmm. it's you know and you know i think the people who can thrive in <clears throat> in in that in that sort of arena like they're those are the people who can entertain no matter what like i look at i look at just just hilarious and I think she's hysterical. I'm so mm-hmm. sad I didn't get a chance to 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 work with her as of as of yet because I think she's a tremendous talent. Okay, but I like I feel like whether is whether Jess is on a comedy stage, whether she's on Instagram, whether she's on on Rel on Fox, mm-hmm. she's completely entertaining every single time. Yeah, is that the girl who just wished Drake like a happy birthday or something? Was that? 
I'm not in the loop at all. Drake posted that some girl, she, she, he reposted, I had never seen him do something like this, but he reposted like some Insta comedians thing. And I think that might be her because I remember her name from there, but you should, I mean, you're, you're having to digest all this content. Maybe you haven't seen it, but it was, you have to go check it. It was funny. You know, she was saying she was in Times Square that, that Google needs to get the show dates correct. It was funny. As a small business owner, how many of you hate dealing with all of the tedious admin and paperwork? Don't worry, you're not alone. You need to set aside that frustration you're feeling because there's a more enlightened way to look at the situation. Let's look at it this way. If you're still managing to deal with your paperwork on your own by using a spreadsheet, then you're going to absolutely crush it when you start getting help from FreshBooks. You see, FreshBooks has created ridiculously easy to use cloud accounting software for self-employed people who would rather spend their precious time building their businesses than dealing with mountains of paperwork. One thing I really love about FreshBooks is that you can send clean and professional looking invoices in about 30 seconds. And with literally two clicks, you can set yourself up to receive payments online. We all like doing that. For your free 30-day unrestricted trial, just go to freshbooks.com backslash my taught you and enter my taught you and the how did you hear about a section. You seem to be incredibly goal-oriented, Jermaine, when you take on a role. It's all about putting numbers on the board. That's kind of what I feel like that's your thing. Um, I want to know what sort of advice you can give to my listeners on how they can set some concrete goals when they get a new job, you know, or the first 90 days in a new role, you know, you're going in, what are, what is Jermaine doing when he's taking on a new role? I don't, um, I don't even, I don't even, I won't even interview for a gig if I don't have, um, a very, like a, a specific goal in, in, in mind. Like when I came into when I came into BET, before I, I even interviewed. That was it. a gym, by the way. I hate to cut you off, but I think people don't realize that I won't even interview for a gig unless I have a specific goal in mind. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to say <laughs> yeah, that. Because, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm going to give it my all and I don't want to shortchange um, anybody. So if I don't have a goal that's going to, that's going to improve your, your company, then you know, I, I don't need to be there and you don't need to have me there. Um, so I think, you know, I think that's what it is. But when I, but when I, when I came into, into BET, um, I looked at, I looked at their, their comms score number and I looked at how much they were spending, um, a year, like what their budget was for this department a year. And it just like, it completely didn't, it didn't add up. Um, so my goal coming in was like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna get this. I'm gonna get this place to 15 million in in com score. And I think at the time they might have been at three or four million in com score. Um, so two years, two years in, we looked up, and I forget what month it was. It was it was it was one of the it was one of those Junes. I remember the BT Awards was happening, but we hit 18 million in com score. Um, and you know have been pretty pretty consistent like around 12 13 14 million a month um but yeah that was so i was able to hit the goal i was able to surpass the goal and once you surpass and once you surpass the goal that's that's sort of a sort of a dangerous time too right mm-hmm. because what happens is it's like okay 
are you going to be complacent? (laughs) Right, right. Or or, or are you going to set a new goal that's going to keep you interested and advance and advance this company? Um, So once I hit that 18 million, that was, you know, that was kind of a scary time for me. Right. Uh, Because the goal was done. So, so now what? New goal? Oh yeah, new uh, the the new goal came came quickly. Okay. Uh, the new goal goal came quickly. I I I decided that I was going to make such a dent in um short form and mid form um digital original video content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the new narrative that I was going to be known for. Um and since then, I think we've 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 done a pretty good job. We've ex- established a lot of franchises, mm-hmm. and we've raised our video views exponentially through these digital originals. That's amazing. Rate the bars, which I think I see all the time. The one with Nivea, which I felt like I saw, which was crazy amazing. But I, I, I guess I want to know too, from just like the other side of it, you're you're a VP now, and you're looking out at people. When somebody's starting to work for you in the first ninety days, what are you looking for? What you know? Because I, I really, we really want to help people go in and make an impact. I think you know, saying that you just wouldn't even interview a lot of people. I don't even think people are interviewing with goals in mind. So, what are you looking for in someone's first ninety days working for you? And the first, like you know, I think you should not. You can't expect results from that person asap. Okay. Uh, I think you have a you have a thirty to sixty day window where you know it's just you're just sort of like it's a learning curve. You're learning a new system. You're learning new people because you might come into a situation where the people that you have working for you aren't necessarily you know they're they're not people that you hire. You don't know their capabilities. Mm-hmm. You don't know their habits. Um, so you need to learn all of that before you jump in and start getting in, into in, into the weeds like you really have to know what you're what you're playing with so i would say i would say taking those 60 to 90 days to really understand what you're working with before you start to um, communicate to your boss hey here is where i think i can take take this this vertical or mm. you know whatever it is um based on the talent that is here here are their strengths here are their weaknesses here here's how i think i can help bolster these weaknesses um and then we go from there nice okay i can be wrong but i feel like you come in and make changes um you start things up um, and from our very limited personal interaction, I've never got the feeling that you have a sort of loud or robust like temperament. Uh, how do you get things done so mild, mildly? <laughs> and so I feel like, <laughs> I, like I feel like you are very mild, and I, you know, I am not mild, and I know people that are around you or who are friends with you who are absolutely not mild, but you always seem to thrive as like the quietest person in the room. And I have a lot of people who write me like, Hey, I'm not the one who's going to be the loudest. Um, 
how do you, or maybe you don't feel this way, but how do you feel like you get so much done as mild as you are in like a business that sort of demands this kind of tiger roar? Oh man, that's a, that's a great <laughs> question. <laughs> that's the question. I don't, I, I, I never, I never felt like I need, I needed to be um, the loudest voice in the room. Um, but I always felt like I needed to be the voice in the room with a plan. Like Ooh. that's always the voice that I'm going to be. Like you can a hundred percent count on the fact that I am going to have a plan and I'm going to execute it. And I know all the players on the chessboard and I know <laughs> who can do what. Ooh. Um, and I can assess that very, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within, like within my team, within my unit, within whoever is reporting to me, uh, I can be loud. I can be loud within that without physically, without physically having having to having to be loud. All I need, all I need them to understand and to believe in is that, hey, this guy who's leading us absolutely has a beginning, middle, and end to get us where we need to be. Mm. Um, and, and also, this guy is very comfortable. He's very comfortable with like not being the smartest person in the room. And I know everyone says that, mm-hmm. but in order, in order to lead, to be a really effective leader, you really need to have people who are smarter than you within your unit. You just have to. Wow. That's going to, one of our uh, listener questions is about that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, So before we get into the listener questions, because those are going to take a second. um, One of the things that really surprised me as a young um, woman, when I was coming up in PR was that you and Daytuan were both married and I just didn't know black men, um, young black men that were just like married. And you guys are still married. Um, I feel like your wife is a boss. And how do you support your wife while being equally ambitious? You know, I think a lot of us wonder, how do you do that? And that's a, that's another great question. I know. Sorry. And then we're going to get into some fun, and then we're going to get into some fun stuff. <laughs> um, my wife's an Uber boss. My wife's a bigger <laughs> boss than I am, um, and and I'm um, and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I think the way you know the the way that we that we make it work is, um, you know, we're we're fine to run things by each other. So you know, for instance, she'll be she'll be working because she's on she's on the marketing end of things. So she'll be working mm-hmm. on on a digital campaign. And then, you know, she'll, she'll run it by me <clears throat> and, you know, I'll give, I'll give my opinion on it. If there's people that I think have, you know, have a better opinion than, than I have, I'll, I'll make sure to put her in connection with those people. Uh, so there's a, you know, because our worlds are a little, a little sim- similar, I mean, mm-hmm. she, she's dealing more with, um, more with like, um, fashion and, um, 
beauty than than what I'm you know what I'm doing, which is very much very much so around celebrity and culture. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still able at the core, um, able to help her tell um, a good story, and then you know, and then she does she does the same she does the same for me. You know, I'll run my ideas by her actually let me like oh okay well maybe you should think about it this way right um and i'll be like oh all right that that makes absolute sense you know i think i have a i have an example that you know i i think it took took place like friday or thursday we were talking about um we were talking about the webbies because it's it's time to submit for for awards and you know i'm going over all of the categories um and she's, you know, she's done a, she's done a ton of, of Webby submissions. So she was like, hey, listen, rather than you do all of this guessing, um, here's someone that I know at, at the Webbies who can probably walk you through what is the best category for you to submit in. Mm. Um, so it's like, man, that's like, that's <laughs> invaluable right there. Right. That's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I feel like versus having like a sort of ego, like, but I just, I feel like that's sort of who you are is that what, what the, the thing that makes you okay to take my call is also the thing that makes you sort of a, a, a listener. And this probably has nothing to do with anything, but I feel like saying it. Um, one time I interviewed um, Rich Dennis, who I would say I'm friends with, who was the he found a Shea Moisture, sold it, and just bought Essence. And one thing he said that he feels makes him successful is his ability to listen to women. <laughs> you know, he's like, I listen to my wife. Like, I, wow. I, I can listen to women. And I think, um, I just thought that was was huge. Like, I feel like a lot of men succeed when they can listen to women. Just saying, fellas. You know, this, <laughs> that's a that's a great point. And you know that. Throughout, when I look when I look back at it, um, I think starting with King specifically, uh, I've for the most part had um, women on my staff mm-hmm. more than men. When people hear that about King, they're always like, "Oh, well, whatever. What are you talking <laughs> about?" But there were a lot of women on that staff mm-hmm. times, and as editor in chief of Vibe. Most of most of my staff, um, women, here currently at BT, I would say ninety percent of my staff, women. Uh, listen, I, I know. <laughs> I, I feel like I've succeeded with a company of basically ninety-seven percent women. Like you know, we have mostly women. I think women are amazing, and I think more men need to realize that when hiring that women really are the future. I just took Noah yesterday. He wore his, uh, the future is female onesie because he needs to know that too. Um, <laughs> That's great. That's yes. Great. So I am, go- <laughs> I am going to, I got a couple of listener questions, just two. So we'll answer these and then I'll let you just tell us where we can find you uh, and all that good stuff. But I want your, your answer on this. Here's the backstory to my question. One year ago, I was laid off from my corporate banking job after five years of employment. Honestly, it was a blessing in disguise as I was miserable and constantly lamenting over not being able to pursue my passion of teaching group exercise full time. I knew I would receive a decent severance severance package after the layoff. So I took that time to figure out a plan and try to teach full time. 
uh, make the same or more than I made at the bank. Fast forward to present day and I'm doing it, my leak. I went from nine, teaching nine to roughly 17 classes per week. I wake up every day and get to dance exercise for a living. It is incredible. It is amazing and rewarding. Here's the but. It is also extremely exhausting. I thought so when I was like 17 classes a week. Um, it is extremely exhausting and nowhere near my salary at the bank. I was comforted by previous podcasts where you spoke about being willing to take a pay cut to pursue your passion. And while this is a rewarding and fulfilling to my soul, it is devastating to barely make ends meet, having high anxiety over not knowing if your paycheck is going to come in, time to pay your rent and other expenses. I even feel some regret over not saving money when I had the comfy bank job with the highest salary and benefits because the struggle is so real for me right now. I have picked up a side job working for one of the gym's front desk and I, it helps very little. And I now work seven days a week as a result. It's an easy sit down job, so not physically tiring, but never having a day off mentally makes me feel burnout on a regular basis. I'm not even sure what my question is, but maybe just wanting feedback on how to keep a positive attitude and keep my momentum going. Every time I think about going to get a regular job, I feel nauseous. It doesn't even feel like an option, but I would be lying if I said I didn't miss the stability and financial security of my old job. Um, any thoughts you have? She says she's going to get into personal training at some point, but any thoughts would be helpful. What do you think about this? I have some thoughts, but do you have any? Or do you want me to go first? That's, that's, I'll give, I'll give my. Yes. Okay. Go. Um, that, that was a lot. Mm-hmm. And. And I would say being happy with what you're doing as a profession is so key. It's so critical. If you're just doing a nine to five, you know, I don't care how much money you're making and you're not into it. It is such a drag. It Mm -hmm. is such a drag. So if this person just continues to do what they're doing, something that they're actually incredibly passionate passionate about, the rewards will come down the line. And there was something in there about um, working seven days a week um, and being, uh, being physically, physically exhausted, um, which is, you know, which is interesting because I feel like now with this always on environment, most people are working seven days a week. And, you know, whether it's physical exhaustion or mental <clears throat> or mental exhaustion you know i i think we've all experienced getting getting to that getting to that level but you know with all that said i think if they continue with their passion um it will turn into turn into dollars and and hopefully um less stress down the line i agree and i think the next question would be like well, when, or what can I do? You know? And I always say like, if you're not waiting and you're working and you're doing a great job, someone is going to notice, right? In those 17 classes and the more you do, people are going to notice. And at some point your opportunity to maybe become a trainer, a regional trainer and then national trainer, you know, and then an opportunity, maybe you have crafted some moves that you want to start sharing your life with us on social and maybe you're doing, you know, adding <laughs> one more thing to your plate or just uh, maybe 
recording some of this as you're as you're teaching. So in one of those 17 classes, maybe you turn the phone or the camera on and do a live, you know, and those people start picking up. And I always feel like I think one of my friends told me this and, and I could be wrong, but they said two percent of your following will pretty much buy whatever you do or sell. And so um there's an opportunity to sort of wow. pick people up along the way and invite the public onto your journey because there's someone who either wants to get fit with you or there's someone who is going to be inspired by your journey. Um, and there typically typically tends to be a dollar or an opportunity there. I feel, I think. I think that is, I think that's, that's great advice. You know, who's, who's, um, Someone who I always think about um, when I when I hear um, when I hear stories like this, um, Nicole, formerly of um, of Nicole Bitchy, mm-hmm. you know, she had a business where it was it was thriving. Um, she was putting a lot into it. Um, the type of content that she was creating, it didn't at at some point it didn't fit right. It didn't sit right with her soul, mm-hmm. and and she chose to. She chose to walk away from it and completely rebrand herself and really focus on the positivity uh, of, of of entertainment. Now, you know, is she is she making more is she making more or is she making less than she did when she was Nicole Bitchy? I mean, probably, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. But but I think she she feels and her soul, her soul's her soul feels great doing what she's doing right now. Yeah. I talked to her about it. I interviewed her when she left the bitchy site behind and went on to do the new site. And when she went to do the new site, that was going to be more uplifting and made her feel better. She was broke for a while, you know? And like, we joke because I'm like, okay, you're broke, but driving a Range Rover. So it's a different kind of broke, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, broke. But it, it was just sort of like, she had, you know, but she had roommates and stuff like that. And then it was at that point that Will Packer came along and bought the site you know? And so now she can really live this life of her dreams where she can go and compete in all these bikini competitions that she loves. Um, But we had a really good long conversation about it. And she was, the crazy thing was that she was like, Miley, I I kind of look to you to sort of transition out of, because I did the entertainment PR and I just felt like it no longer served me. So I moved on and I had a hard, a hard period, you know? Um, but look at me now, (laughs) you know, I was broke, not in a Range Rover, but I think we all kind of have to, when we're transitioning, you have to dip down for a little bit and it, and it, and it may be a year, it may be two, but it, 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 the tide changes. Oh, I mean, for sure. I look at, you know, I look at, um, and you know, obviously he's nowhere, has been nowhere near being, being broke, but I look at someone like, like Elliot, Elliot Wilson and, Mm -hmm. um, the way he's being, I mean, I mean, that guy's a chameleon. Mm-hmm. The way he's been able to adapt to whatever the technology is, uh, yeah. adapt to telling stories um, for for newer audiences. Um, you know, I think he's one of, I think he's one of the best the best examples of redefinition. You know, redefining your 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 career. Every yeah. time I think um, he's he's hit a ceiling he finds he finds a way to take it take it a step further yeah 
Okay, this is our our last question. The next one, uh, a question for you about adjusting your friend circle. You often speak about how we should be mindful of our circle. We shouldn't be the best or smartest in our circle. The thing is, how do you facilitate meaningful relationships with those who are better or smarter if they already have their circle circle or are leveling up themselves? Why would they invite you to stay in? I mean, I have a great personality and all, but I'm not quick to believe that someone on a higher level in an area I aspire to grow into would go beyond a surface level relationship when they already have their circles. This is particularly important for me because I don't necessarily seek to connect with people who have connections or knowledge or wealth, though all of that is great. I want to connect with those who have great intangibles like strong relational boundaries, superb work ethic, great communication skills in spite of ego. These are the areas I'm growing in. So why would someone strong in that area want to connect with someone weaker? Part of me wonders if I'm projecting because I no longer associate myself with those who, for example, have poor boundaries. I'm willing to share my journey, ask, answer questions, even meet up, but I wouldn't necessarily bring them in my circle. Would love to hear your thoughts. Do you have any? Ooh. <laughs> so is the, is it, the question is coming f- from someone who is trying to get into bigger um, circles or just, yeah, well, she's trying to get, she's saying, how do you get into a circle with smarter or, you know, people who may be further along than you, you know? So it's like, you say I shouldn't be, you should, I shouldn't be the smartest person in my group, but how do I even get in? How do I get into the smarter groups? Uh, do you know? got it? I, th- you know, I think it's, um, I think it goes back to the intern example that I just, that I, you know, that I gave earlier on. Um, you, ha- you really have to just take a leap of faith and engage those people. Like, what do you have, like, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll give, um, I can, I can think of, of, of an example, um, that, that is, is true to me. I would say my my circle, my true core circle is um, there's five, six people, maybe pro- probably five, um, to be to be a hundred a hundred percent honest. People that mm-hmm. who people who share we get together, we share ideas, we talk about what's going on in our industry and in other in- industries, talk about family. Um, politics, everything. Uh, and what happens every now and then is someone from, from that circle will, will find somebody, um, that they truly, truly, truly believe in and truly think that, that they have, um, the ability to make an impact, um, within, within an industry and they'll they'll just invite them, you know. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. there's this there's this one place um, in in Tribeca. We call it we call it my group calls it the Bat Cave. Mm-hmm. And the reason we call it the Bat Cave is because we know we will never see anybody in the industry there. <laughs> uh, it'll be it'll just be us. But you know, someone will bring somebody into into that meeting. Right. Uh, they'll you know they'll 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 warn everybody first, like hey. You know, I know we're meeting on Thursday. I'm bringing such and such super cool dude. You know, I know you guys have maybe heard of him, but you know, I you know I think he's he or she is um, somebody who's going to do things big um, in 
in the industry. So I think it's it's you know it's really just taking taking a leap of faith. Like if you think someone is um, could be beneficial to you, that's in a bigger circle, that is that you perceive as being smarter than you, go go talk to that person. What mm-hmm. do you have to lose? Right. I think if I would if I would add like because I go out a lot of times and I meet a lot of women um, at the various speaking engagements that I have. One of the biggest mistakes that I always feel like people make is that they'll just bum rush me and be like, um, here's my business card. And then now what I do is and I go and this is it usually shocks them. And I go, why are you giving this to me? And it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. You know, because, because why are you giving this to me? And, and you know what? 99.9 times out of 10, they don't have a reason. They just feel like this is the thing to do. Go out, give somebody a card. And now we should be, we should be connected. And I was like, that is, that's not how you make meaningful connections with people. Not at all. You just don't run up on somebody while I, I'm here working and you're giving, it's like, I'm not, I, do you think I'm going to remember you after I talk to, you know, maybe 125 other women tonight? But what you can do, and what I always say is that I call it like my three run-in rule is that run into me three different times. You know, that's how I kind of like when I wanted to start working in the hair industry, I'd run up on Lisa Price, not giving her a business card, but I wanted her to see me supporting her, you know, Hey, how you doing? I'm my leak curl box. You know, I would just say that in, in after a few meetings and you remember somebody and they're, they're making waves and they've got your attention. She was like, you know, she stopped and had a conversation with me. And then, you know, it's like, she emailed me and then she asked for my phone number and then she texts me. And it's like, you know, I kind of built the relationship like that. But every time people just give me a business card, I'm just like, why are you giving this to me? Like, do you really think that I'm going to take this home and, and hit you up? I have no, I, I don't even, ha- I don't even know who you are today. And so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really want people, you know, there's a way. And and the other thing is that people, you're always trying to level up with the person who's on the stage. But what you don't realize is that the person you're sitting next to in the audience is going to be the person on the stage in the next couple of years. Absolutely. You know, connect Absolutely. with that person. Ne- yeah. Ne- network within your, within your own, within, mm-hmm. your, within your own group. Um, you know, your, your peers, but I, like, I, I remember there was, um, there was a conference that, that I went to and um, I knew Mark Golan was going to be there because he was, he was on, on the panel and Mark Golan was, um, he was the editor in chief of Maxim at at the time. He had just he had just left left details, and you know I my my thinking was like, how can I approach Mark after this conference is over, and leave a mark on him? And what I came up with is, you know, I'll speak to him about something in his magazine. That, that was memorable that I think he would make a connection with. So there was a small piece in the front of the book and they had made, they had made a joke with the, the joke was, it was a question and, and, and answer page. I forget what, what this section was called, but the joke was that if you continue to masturbate, you will go, you will go blind. <laughs> so, so that was the question. And then the answer, which was, amazingly clever they started they started to answer and then the words started to disappear like the shading of the words 
would get lighter and lighter and lighter as as you read. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is this is ins- insanely historical. <laughs> so <laughs> I referenced that. I referenced that to him. We both had a laugh about it, and we spoke for like a you know we spoke we spoke for like a good ten minutes. And as I walked away, Mark gave me his card mm. <laughs> and said, "Hey, you know, keep in touch. Let's get together and have and have lunch." So sometimes, so, so sometimes it might just be something. It might just be finding someone something that that person has done in their career, something that is very recent that, that they can, that they can connect with and they can see like, Oh, okay. This guy's actually, you know, or this, or this woman is actually paying attention. Yes. And that I agree. That was the other thing too, is that, you know, let them know that you're keeping up with what they're doing. You know, like it just, it's important. So I don't want to hold you because I know Sundays matter for all of us. For those of you, I, I'm going to get this up, but we are doing this on the weekend. Um, Jermaine, where can everyone find you and keep up with you? I am at Jermaine Hall everywhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> pretty simple. Mm-hmm. J-E-R-M-A-I-N-E-H-A-L-L on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Awesome. And Snapchat. Thank you so much for doing this with me, Jermaine. And I cannot wait to share this with everyone. Oh, Miley, thank you. I appreciate it.